one more time. Welcome to the True North Church podcast, where we gather to explore faith, find inspiration, and strengthen our spiritual connection. At True North, we exist to help people navigate through the oceans of life in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Each week, we'll dive into meaningful discussions, share uplifting stories, and delve into the teachings that guide our lives. Whether you're a longtime member or a first-time listener, we're grateful to have you join us on this journey. So, let's embark on this episode of Faith, Community, and Discovery together. This place is a house of miracles. It's been a house of miracles. It's not just that it's starting today, but this is fertile ground. There are so many prayers that, are, that have been sowed into this church, into this into this property into I mean there is we could go on and on I know it doesn't feel like it but you are looking at you are looking at you uh, the person beside you is an answered prayer the person beside you is an answered prayer the walls in this building are answered prayer from people that came before us this is a house of miracles this is a house of miracles this is a house of miracles I love in that song And the bridge where it says, I fits my eyes on you. I fits my eyes on you. And we've talked about the importance of gazing upon the Lord. But there's something powerful that happens when we fits our eyes upon Jesus. I told it before, but one of my favorite things that I do with the boys and whenever they get ready to go to sleep, I say, hey, can you see my eyes? And they say, yes, I can see your eyes. I say, when you look and I'll get, I'll press my face against their, I'll press my nose against their nose. That means they get all the scraggly beard right up in there. And when they get 20 and 30, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to press my face to just, but when I say, when you look in daddy's eyes, what do you see? And they say, I see me. And that's, that's what it's supposed to be like with you and God. To where on a Monday morning, when we get up, we press our face against the Lord. Lindsay, we, we can't physically see him. No, you can't physically see him. But you can physically open up your word and search in the gospels. Open up John and begin to look at Jesus and look what he instructs us to do. And look what he empowers us to do and say, Lord, I worship you. Lord, I, I don't have the ounce of patience like you have. But right now, Lord, I'm pressing my face against you to receive that type of patience. Because the Bible says that there's something powerful that happens when we behold Jesus. Watch this. When we behold him, when we gaze upon him, we become like him. We become like him. Why? Because there's something in you, which is his spirit. And his spirit only bears his spirit. So therefore, when you get in his presence, and spoiler alert, you're never outside of his presence. It may not feel like this in your bedroom. It may not feel like this in the car, but it can if you choose to. You could be driving down the road and say, Lord, right now, just come with me. You know, you know what the prayer, one of the prayers I started saying at work, Lord, come, Lord, hop in the truck with me and come read meters with me. Lord, come walk this neighborhood with me. Come, Lord, come walk down the street with me. Lord, talk, talk to me as I'm doing my job. Lord, tell me about myself. Lord, tell me about my children. Lord, tell me about my grandparents. Lord, tell, I, one time I even said, Lord, tell me about the family that I've never met before. The family that came before. Lord, tell me what it was like walking with them. Lord, show me things. Lord, interact with me. Lindsay, that's a little wild. No, it's not wild because what I'm doing, I'm inviting him into my space, which is his desire. 
He desires to be with us so much that his son Jesus went to a cross to, to the point of death on the cross to bridge the gap of distance between you and God, to bridge that gap, amen? He wants, he desires, he craves it. There's a scripture in Revelation, in the book of Revelations, where it literally says, your existence brings God pleasure. Our existence brings him pleasure, amen? amen. Hallelujah. If you have a Bible to, this morning, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. If you don't, it's okay. We'll put it on the screen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But we are in a transition season, and we've almost got everything finalized, and we'll have everything finalized this week as far as the new name has already been finalized. We have the EIN number. We have all the state papers. And this morning, I just, the Lord put it on my heart to share vision. So this morning, I'm going to share some vision with y'all. Is that good? I'm going to share some vision with you and things that the Lord has put on my heart. But I didn't realize it, but back in 2015, I had a desire a long time ago to start a podcast. And in uh, 2016, Shortly after Kellen was born, I, you know, I just started recording audio versions of things the Lord would give me. And, uh, you know, when I was trying to come up with the name of it, I was like, Lord, I don't know what to name this, you know. Just dads ranting, you know, is that what we're going to call the Lord? Dads just ranting about the Bible. I was like, no, that, that sounds very angry. And I remember, I can't fully remember how he brought it about. But he introduced me to this nautical term called true north. And I've said it before, but... You know, in the 1900s, when sailors would sail on ships, and I don't know if you knew this, but you, you've heard me say this before, but, you know, the, the what is it, the magnetic fields that, that we can't see, but the magnetic fields that go around the earth, every so often they shift and vary from degree to degree. And a compass, a compass relies on that magnetic field. But because the magnetic fields will shift as the earth shifts or as the earth rotates, the magnetic, the magnetic fields will shift slightly. That means that compass is not fully accurate. And sailors, they understood this. So therefore, when they, when they recognized the compass wasn't fully correct or when they, when they got lost, when they got off the beaten path, the captain, he would yell, find the North Star. And the person that would be sitting at the, I would call it the eagle's nest, he was, he was scounging, looking at the skies, and all of them looking at the skies. There's the North Star. And the captain would say, okay, sail true north. And then he would pull the map out because they understood that, everybody on the ship understood that when he says sail true north, that is the most northern point, that direction. And that point will never change. And when the Lord gave me this back in 2016, he said, Lindsay, I am your true north. I am the one constant. I am, he didn't say the one, I am the only constant in your life that will never change. And let me say this, church, if you've placed your trust and confidence in Jesus, then he is your true north. He will never change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The same love that the Father has for Jesus, that same love he has for you. There's nothing that you can do can separate you from the love of God. I don't say that so you can go out and party and while out. I'm saying that that way, whenever you do slip up and the devil tries to make you feel like you are far away from God, you are not. 
He is right there with you. He has never left you or forsaken you. Let me tell you this. If he's willing to go into a den with lions about to devour a man, oh, trust me, he will go to the furthest point of your life, to the furthest corner of your life. If he is willing to go and never leave Joseph, never leave Joseph to the fact that, that every time he had went through something, literally sold out, with his, sold out by his brothers, but he wasn't away from the presence of God. Literally sold into slavery, but he wasn't away from the presence of God. Literally betrayed and lied on in, the, in Potiphar's house, but he was never away from God. Literally in jail, but he was never away from God. And back in the palace, and still he was never away from God. David said it best. He said, we can go to the highest mountain. I don't know any mountain climbers in here, but if there are. David said, you can go to the highest point, and still you won't escape God's love. You can go to the lowest valley and still you won't escape God's love. Amen. If you have placed your trust and confidence in Jesus, then Jesus is your true north. Jesus is your true north. He is the one thing that will not change. We live in a world where everything is changing. He is the one thing I'm not changing. I'm not forsaking you. I'm staying right by your side. In fact, I'm going before you and preparing a place for you. In fact, I'm interceding for you on the daily. In fact, I'm giving you new mercy every day. Every day. Why? Because I'm with you to the end. Amen? I'm with you to the end. With you to the end of the line, as Captain say. With you to the end of the line. And when we were blessed with stepping into pastorship, I was like, Lord, what do you want to name the church? And I knew what he wanted to name it, and I'm like, I don't want to name it that. I was thinking of all these other things. You, you know how it is. God asks you to do something, then your imagination takes over. You want to made out a list, researching. If, you don't, if you've ever, if you understand the Enneagram, I'm a five. So that means I love to plan and prepare and research and study. Doing all these different things. And the Lord used Kelsey on a Saturday. After I got done running around, mail route, the Lord used Kelsey and she come up and she said, you know what the Lord's already told you to name the church, right? And I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, he told me this. And when she told me that, it was what the Lord had told me originally. And I got so sad. And she's like, what are you sad about? I said, but I wanted to, da, da, da. And she said, but it's not about us, is it? And I said, no, it's about the Lord. And she said, that's right, it's about the Lord. And our purpose is, our new purpose with this is that we are going to do our very best. Somebody say our very best. To point people back to Jesus. Amen. To point people back to Jesus. So the Lord gave me True North Church. True North North Church. And the point is to point people back to Jesus. As a church, we want to help everyone navigate through the oceans of life in the direction that lands them at the heart of God. Our goal as this collective, as this body of Christ, is to help people navigate through the oceans of life. And see, the oceans of life, they look different for everybody. Everybody's going through their own ocean. Everybody is is sailing through their own body of water. Let me give you some examples of oceans of life. Parenthood, marriage, singleness, just got engaged. I mean, (laughs) I knew I'd get a couple of amens. 
some of the oceans of life look like going, uh, starting a new job or holding down the same job. Depression, anxiety, poverty, being on the mountaintop or being in the valley low, gender misidentification, addictions, abuse, deconstruction, death, new life, church hurt, idleness, etc. Everybody's going through their own ocean of life. Amen. Everybody's going through their own ocean of life. And those are just a few examples of the oceans that your neighbor might be sailing through. Those are just examples of the few oceans that your coworkers may be sailing through. Those are just examples of the, of the few oceans that the people that we don't like at work or the people we try to avoid sometimes. Those are just few examples that everybody is going through, amen? But we, somebody say, I, we have the glorious opportunity and the wonderful opportunity to point anyone and everyone to Jesus. We get the beautiful opportunity to point them to Jesus. And as they come to him with their heaviness and their weariness, he said that he, there's a trade that happens. There's a trade that happens. The same trade that happens when we come to him with our heaviness and our weariness. He, he gives us and he will give them as we point them to Jesus. He will give them joy for their sorrow. He'll take their sorrow and give them joy. He'll, he'll take their ashes and give them beauty. He's going to do the same thing that he did for us to them. He's going to, he's going to turn their mourning into dancing. I remember we used to sing that as a kid. He's turned my mourning into dancing again. He's lifting my sorrows. I can't stop smiling. I must sing for his joy has come. I found myself singing that the other day, and as, and as I was singing it, by the end, by the 15th time, because I was tired the first time, by the 15th time, there was, there was, a, there was a newness within my body. Amen. And I was like, oh, Lord, I can do this. Lord, I, I, okay, Jesus, I can do this. He's going to, he's, there's another trade that happens. He's going to take their yoke of heaviness, and he's going to give them a yoke that is easy and light. That's his promise to us, and that's his promise to our neighbor. That's his promise to us, and that's his promise to our co-workers. Amen? Amen? So let me talk in-house for a minute. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, in the Passion Translation, watch this. Paul says, living within you. Here we go. Y'all ready? He says, living within you. So there's something that's living in you. It doesn't say, he didn't say sitting within you. He didn't say resting within you. He says living that means that it's alive. Amen? Amen? Living within you is the Christ. Living within you is Jesus who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure, chest of hope, filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. God wants everyone to know it. Amen? Within you, within me, within us, Christ is unveiled to the world. Say it again. Living within you is Christ who floods you with expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it. Shadron, do you mind pulling up verse 26? We'll do 26 through 28. Verse 28, Paul says this. And now we're talking about how Christ in you is the hope of glory. But he says in verse 28, Jesus is our message. 
we preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the understanding of truth. That's what we do. So the best way to say it is that within you, Jesus is unveiled to the world. Think of it this way. Your life makes the full stature of Jesus visible. Your life makes Jesus visible. Your life, that's, that's the best way to say it. If we, if we put it in layman's terms, verse 27, the uh, King James translation says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. The best way to understand it is your life, the way you live your life makes Jesus visible. So the way you treat people is supposed to show people that Jesus is alive. And he's loving and he's forgiving and he's loyal and he's the great God that he is. The way we, the way we, uh, the, the conversations that we have, the way we, the way we upkeep ourselves or the way we drive, the way we eat, the way we, the way we do all the things that we do in life, the way we parent, the way we be friends to people, the way we, the way we have empathy towards people. Every ounce of your life shows that Jesus is visible. Amen shows that he is alive this is your god-given assignment this shift that this church is making it's it's not of, of us becoming true north church it's not a gimmick it's not us following a trend it's not us trying to appease the culture this is our mandate in this community which is to make jesus visible it's to let it's to let our life expose jesus it's to reveal him. What, what, what would it look like when you're revealing Jesus at the senior center? What's it going to look like when we're exposing Jesus in Walmart and revealing his glory and his kindness? What's it going to look like when you're pumping gas and you're exposing who Jesus really is? What's it going to look like when you go pay the water bill and you're exposing who Jesus really is? Lindsay, how do I expose Jesus at the water plant? Well, when you go to pay your bill. You know, because last time I checked, when everybody goes to pay the bill, you never see anybody smiling. You know, you never go, you never see anybody going there like, here's my $300. I'm so glad I got to give you that. There. Here's my $500. Like, I know it's true because I read meters. And when I go read meters, I get people be like, hey, 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 brother, can, can you know, give me, can, you, can you work it out where it's a $20 bill? I had one guy stop me and talk to me for eight minutes. He's like, man, my bill was... And he told me about the last month's bill, and I was like, man, I'm so sorry about that. There's nothing I can do. I'm here to make sure you get another bill. And he's like, I know when I sing you, and I wasn't happy, but I know you got to do your job. You know, nobody's ever smiled at me and said, go ahead and read them numbers and make sure I get that bill. But so, Lindsay, how do we expose Jesus even in that type of scenario? When you go in, you go in, you do your best to go in with a smile. And you do small talk, but you be intentional with it. You say, hey, how are you today? You say with a smile, don't be, hey, how are you today? Because they're going to they're gonna match what they see. Because science has proved that you match what you see. So watch this. If you go in with a smile and say, hey, how are you today? Something's going to trigger on the inside of them. They're like, oh, uh, you know, I, I'm okay. Or they may open up to you and be like, listen, you know, I've had a hard week. And guess what? Every opportunity is an opportunity. Well, what's going on? Is there anything I could pray with you about? Well, you know what? You're going to get two responses. Well, no, no, I don't need it. And if they say that, I'm like, okay, well, listen, you change your mind. Let me know. And we'll stand in, me and my, me and my church family, we will stand in, in the gap and pray and intercede for whatever it is that's going on. Or they may say, yeah, I do need some prayer. 
and you'd be like, well, you ain't got to go into detail because you're out in public, but here, just what, what can I pray with you about? And just real, like, hey, can I pray for you right now real quick? Yeah, okay. Just real quick. Don't have to, you ain't got to call down the fire of heaven, but just right there, lowering your voice, exposing Jesus in the middle of you paying your water bill. And what's going to happen is the same thing that Jesus did on the inside of you, he's going to do on the inside. He's going to take their weariness. He's going to take their heaviness, and he's going to give them a yoke that is light. And what's going to happen when they are able to walk in the freedom that you're walking in? It's going to spread. And that's what we're called to do. Amen? That's what pointing to Jesus looks like. Just that simple. What's it going to look like when we expose Jesus as we're, point, as we're pumping the gas? Or what's it going to look like when we're exposing Jesus to little children at school? I've watched them at Montessori. I'm not saying this just, you know, to get brownie points with mom. But I've watched, I've watched them. They, they do what I could never do. I, I do good with my little three. My, and my little three, they got their friends. Mikhail's one of the friends. Michael's one of the friends. I do good with them. But, you know, when we go to Kwood, when it's a big surplus, all, I'm like, this is overwhelming. Like, I, I can't do this. You know, and the, I'm like, Kellen, you know, just introduce me to your friends one at a time. I, you know, it's going to take me a little bit, you know, just one. But what's it going to look like when we expose Jesus to the little children? Because guess what? Jesus loves all the little children, all the little children of the world. He loves them so much that he went to a cross for them. He loves them so much that he said that if we can humble ourselves to be like that, to have that childlike wonder, that childlike belief, that we are, we, are, we, are, we are elevated into the highest positions in the kingdom of God. So we are, we are, we are declaring that within the lives of, uh, of everyone in the room that with our lives we are revealing who Jesus is. Amen. That's, why, that's one of the reasons the Lord had us sing that this is a house of miracles. Because, listen, I declare that within everyone in this room, everyone under the sound of my voice, Jesus will be revealed to all of Lexington. Jesus will be revealed through our lives to all of Lexington. That means Jesus is going to be revealed to all of Cedar Grove, all of Crossroads, all of Reagan, all of Sardis. All of, all, of, uh, all of Southtown and Midtown, all the way from Natchez Trace, all the way to Garnertown. Jesus is going to be revealed in our lives. Amen? That's my mission statement. Jesus is going to be revealed to everyone that registers in 38351. And as a byproduct, the church will grow. But first and foremost, we want to see people freed. At the first and foremost, we want to see people delivered. We want to see people, we want to see people that, that were suffering in bondage, but they are free to hold their head up. They're, they're free of anxiety. They're free of all these different things that the devil tries to put on them. Amen? If you agree with that, shout amen. amen. In John chapter 13, in the Passion Translation, I'm going to give you two points. John chapter 13, verse 33 through 35. Watch this. Jesus says, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. Everyone will know that you are my true followers. So let me give you two points. Jesus is not revealed through religion. Jesus, he didn't say when we, when we get it right with our religion, when we follow all the rules. Me and mom was talking about this because, you know, she's a big fan of the Chosen. She's more of a fan of it than I am. I consider myself a fan, but she is. She's the super fan. 
Listen, if they have a sweepstakes, I believe that she's gonna she'll enter and she'll get to fly out there and be part of the be part of the one of the extras in the background. But she was watch, uh, when we was both watching it yesterday. It was the scene where the uh, the, the Pharisees were quoting the law. And I began to explain to her how, isn't it interesting, and she's the one that initiated it, but isn't it interesting that originally Father God gave the ten. He gave the ten, and instead of the, and the originally the ten was, point, was supposed to point to one. But mankind took the ten and made 613 additional rules, laws, and regulations to try to keep the ten. God gave ten, man made 613 out of the ten. God gave 10, and those 10 were supposed to point back to one. The 10, we, we were supposed to be able to look and say, okay, well, God's standard is don't covet. Well, Lord, I can't covet. How am I supposed to covet? That's what it was supposed to do. It's supposed to cause you to question and say, Lord, I can't do this. Can't you help me? Yes, I can help you. I'm sending the one that can help you not to covet. Lord, how, how am I supposed to not commit adultery? Or how am I supposed to not steal when I don't have enough? Oh, I, I need your help. Yes, I'm sending the one that can help you. Lord, how am I supposed to honor this person or this person that's forsaken me in my life? I'm sending the one that can help you. But instead, we added 613 to try to uphold the 10. Jesus is not revealed through religion. We've, we've broken down the word religion before, but literally means to bind up again. It means to return to bondage. That's why he's not revealed in the traditions or he's not revealed in all the formulas. Jesus is not about bondage. He's about freeing the captives. Amen. Amen. So point number two, Jesus said it. We just read it. By demonstrating the same love Jesus has for us, people will know that who we follow. If we demonstrate the same love that God has for you, if you demonstrate the same love that he loves you, People will know who you follow, and that's the goal. The goal is not for them to follow us. It's for them to follow the one we follow. Amen. Follow the one we follow. Lindsay, who do you follow? I follow Jesus. I follow Jehovah Jireh. We sang it earlier. He's my provider. Why do you, why, why do you follow him? Because I, I'm content that, that he's more than enough. I'm content that, that I fully believe that when he said he will never leave me nor forsaken me, and he didn't say that there, there wasn't things that you and I wouldn't go through. I mean, at the end of the day, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, they were the most faithful people we could find in the Bible to the point of death. King Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, it's either, it's either do it my way or you're going to die. And there's many people today will be like, well, you know, the Lord will forgive me. Let me just do it their way this one time. But God, being God. He never said that we wouldn't face the fiery furnace. But what he did say that no weapon shall, what, prosper. Doesn't mean that the weapon's going to come at you. There will be arrows that come at you. The arrows that fly by day. There will be arrows that come at you. But because he, because we are in him and he is in us, it cannot overtake you. It cannot overcome you. Amen. Amen. So Jesus, the same, the same love that Jesus demonstrates to us, if we, if we show that to people, then people will know who we follow. People will know who, who we follow. They will discover who we follow. And we said it last week, the best teachers lead you to a point of discovery. There's two type of teachers. Some teachers will, are great at getting you to memorize certain things, and that's fine and dandy, but the best teachers lead you to a point of discovery. 
And we are to lead people. We're going we're gonna to lead them to Jesus. And when, they, and when they discover Jesus, oh, that's when things get cooking. That's when chains begin to break. That's when anxiety falls off. That's when depression falls off. That's when stress and anxiety begins to disappear. That's when they're able to hold their head up. And guess what? And, and there will come days where they won't be able to hold their head up. But guess what? They have locked arms with us and we can remind them as Jesus reminds us. No, 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 no. Who the son sets free is free indeed. That's for somebody in here. I need you to remind yourself who the, the son sets free is free indeed. Jesus has freed you. You are free. Amen. Amen. That freedom does not have an expiration date. Ah, It's eternal. What the Lord does, the work of Jesus, it's eternal. It doesn't have an expiration date. If he's ridding you of all the guilt and shame, guess what? It's forever. If he, if he gives you new mercy every day, it doesn't, that's not going to stop next year at the, at the third month on the 25th day. No, it's forever and ever and ever. Amen? Amen. Let me close with this. I remember in... 2015, not 2015, I was not that young in 2015. I remember in 2005, 2005, 2003, we'll just say my freshman year, summer of my freshman year, before I started high school, I felt like the, I felt like the coolest kid ever because as I was getting ready to start high school, I remember mom and dad, they sent me down, and they had this, they had this present for me. It's about a box about that big, wrapped up. I opened it. I said, it's not my birthday. They said, you're going to need this. So this is an early, and back then, that's, this is the way things were. This is an early birthday and Christmas present. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I opened it up, and it was a Nokia cell phone, the brick phones. I think I put a picture in that. Will you pull it up? The brick phones. See if anybody remembers this. Mm-hmm. You have, you have to go out of the scripture real quick. There we go. Does anybody remember these phones? Uh-huh. This, this is one of my, my very first cell phones. Hell, you couldn't tell me nothing. I got one of these bad boys. I was like, woo, look out now. I still remember my number. My number was 731-614-6894. Yes, it was. I was like, man, I, I walk into school, first day, I just, you know, then took a big old chunk of my pocket. I'm just, I'm leaving, I'm walking, letting everybody see. Man, listen, what, I remember one of my buddies like, what is that in? I said, yo, woo, look at this. I was like, look what my parents got. I said, I'm going to give all the girls the digits. Bless my mom's heart, she and I was going, and I, I ended up not doing that, but still. But this, for the longest, and it's so funny to look at something like this. We're like, how did we, how did we come from that? But believe it or not, this was the standard. You could play games on it, and you, you know, you play, uh, you play this one game called Snake, where the little thing go around. And you're trying to get the apples, and uh, I can't remember what the other game was. Uh, you know, it, it didn't have the best ringtones. You know, whenever somebody called you, it was you know, just that. And we was content with it. I was content with it, and in fact, this one that lights up green, but mine, mine was the, mine was a black and silver, and it lit up blue. So I thought I so I was I was extra. I was like, none of my friends got a blue lit Nokia phone. I, ooh, I said I'm I'm a bad shut your mouth. I mean, like I was I would I would even pose in the mirror, be like on my little Brit phone. Hello, what's up? Mm-hmm. Okay, you know. But what's crazy is this was the standard for cell phones. 
And, you know, when, you know, for most people that have an iPhone, the iPhone was created by the Apple company, founded by Steve Jobs. And when it comes, and, you know, when this was made, Apple wasn't making cell phones. Apple was just into computers. And, and they, at this point, I think they had gotten into iPods. And I don't know if y'all all remember iPods. Those were, those were, those are, oh, man, those are game-changing. But then Steve Jobs had the idea to get into the cell phone game. He wanted to make a cell phone. So he, he grabbed the right type of team members, just like we talked about in Field of Dreams. The man had a vision, so therefore he went and found people to help him get the vision. So many times we're tempted that when God tells us something, we want to do it ourselves versus let me find people that can help me do what God is putting in my heart and mind. But when Steve Jobs, when he made, when he got ready to make the cell phone, he went and got a team of people that could help him create something. If you've ever watched the documentary, there's one scene literally where they, you know, uh, he, he goes to check on the progress of the phone. And the lead designer, the lead builder is like, we, uh, uh, yeah, we, we're almost done. We got it. We got it better than this right here. And most of us, that would be good for us. Okay, I got something that's better than the former. And Steve Jobs, and I was a kid when I watched this, and I've never forgot it. But he said, don't build it better, build it different. And I remember thinking, like, build it different. One part of my brain was like, what, what's it matter? Better is different, right? Like, it's better than the former. But what he was saying was, I want something that is totally different. Because if it's totally different, then it will be better. And because they went back to the drawing board and built something different, we have this right here. We have something that looks totally different than that. Amen? Amen. You know, here we are through the leading of the Holy Spirit, building something different. Here we are building something different, growing up something different. This, this church, this collective, we are building something different. Something different that's going to look, uh, that's, that's going to be different than the most well-known black church. It's going to be different than the most well-known white church. It's different from a church that's strictly for young people. It's different from a church that's strictly full of Caesar saints. What's going to define us? What's going to make us different? I'm going to tell you what's going to make us different. Are you ready? Are you ready? We read it earlier. Well, what's going to make us different is, is we are going to be defined by God's love for us, and we are going to be the people that replicate how he treats us. How does God treat you? Well, Lindsay, he's loyal to me. We're going to be loyal to people. Lindsay, how does God treat you? He intercedes for me. We're going to see, hey, 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 before I go, do you need prayer for anything so I can be interceding? Not because we want to be nosy, but we want heaven to invade that person's life. We are going to be the people that, that mirror his love, that mirror his empathy, that mirror his patience, that mirror his joy. Like I said before, it's going gonna, it's gonna to eventually, the testimony of, of you is going to be when you come around people, people are like, oh, here, here comes Miss Arnell again. She's going to talk to them about the goodness of God. Or better yet, when people are going through, man, I need, I need to be reminded how good God is. Let me call Miss Renee. She's going to remind me how good God is. Let me, let me call Brother George. Let me go by AutoZone because I've been going through something. I need to be reminded that God is on my side. Let me stop by AutoZone. I don't need a car part. I need, uh, I need God to rev my engine so I can make it another mile. Amen. 
That's going to be our testimony that when people see us, they are reminded, oh, Jesus is good. Jesus is for me. Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. Jesus is the Rose of Sharon. Jesus is the bright and morning star. Jesus is the one that's with me on the mountaintop. Jesus is with me even in my valley. Jesus is with me when I get a bad diagnosis. Jesus is with me when I win the lotto. Jesus is with me when I'm pumping gas and folding laundry. I'm going to go to that church out on 2015 Old Jackson Road and be reminded that Jesus is with me as I try to raise my children. Jesus is with me in a world that everybody is changing. Everybody is misidentified. Everybody is going crazy. I'm going to that building out in the middle of the county to be reminded that there is one constant, that there is one way to heaven. There is one door that if I align myself with Jesus, nothing can penetrate him to get to me. If I line myself up with Jesus, no weapon formed against me will prosper. If I line myself up with Jesus and keep my mind on him, he'll keep me in perfect peace. If I line myself up with Jesus, he is my true north, which means that I can go any direction and he's with me. But ultimately, I'm choosing his direction. I'm choosing his way. I'm choosing his path. I'm choosing his will over my will. His will over the Republicans. His will over Democrats. His will over the crazies. His will over the culture. His will over my bank account. His will over every ounce of my life. It's Jesus and Jesus only. It's Jesus and Jesus only. For God I live. For God I die. I am committed to him and we are committed to him. I am committed to seeing every person I graduated with graduated with come to know Jesus that's that's my personal experience so watch this every time I see somebody that I grew up with I I I engulf them I seen somebody at Walmart the other day and it was crazy and I promise we're done but I took I I had this desire two weeks ago I began to think about my best friend that I grew up with that I haven't seen in who knows how long and I said Lord I want Lord I want to be able to contact this person And I was to the point of tears. And I said, Lord, because you placed them on my heart, let me pray for them real quick because I don't know what they're going through. A week later, I tell mom, like, mom, I really miss so-and-so. And And that was Thursday. Friday, get off work early. It's a great day. Get off work early. Go to Walmart to get a couple things here in Lexington. As I'm walking past the aisle, something quickens me, tells me to turn to my right. I turn to my right. I see this lady. And I was like, Lord, is that who I think it is? I said, it looks like so-and-so's mom, the person that I've been praying for the week before. I said, I'm I'm just going to walk on. And then I remembered a quote I heard, which was, be brave and make the first move. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go make the first move, Lord. If it's them, if it ain't, Lord, don't let me creep them out. So I went to the lady and said, hey, ma'am. And she kind of paused real quick. And I was still in my work uniform, kind of covered in dust and dirt. I said, don't, you know, I said, ma'am, don't, don't, don't be afraid, but are you, do you have a son named da-da-da? And she, she looked at me and her eyes got big and she said, Lindsay. I said, oh my God, it's you. And she wrapped them arms around me. I wrapped my arms around her and she just began to sob. And she said, it is so good to see you. And I said, and I called her by name. I said, you ain't going to believe this, but I told my mom and I told my wife that I've been longing to see your son again. And we spent 20 minutes in that aisle, you know, uh, you know uh, catching up, 
but also getting to hear her heart, different things about her son and different things I could pray with and pray for not just him, but his sibling. He's got a sibling living not too far from here. Pray for her and her husband. All that. Listen, when God puts somebody on your mind, it's not random. God doesn't do things randomly. He doesn't do things by accident. Literally, he is putting people in your life. He is bringing people back to your remembrance. And when he does, pray. You, you may, I'm not saying you got to pray for an hour, but just say, Lord, I don't know why this person is on my heart and mind, but right now, right now, go before them. Keep them safe. Go before them. Whatever they're, whatever they're tr- troubled with, Lord, I thank you for you resolving it. Lord, I thank you for giving joy for their, for their sorrow. I thank you for giving uh, them uh, a yoke that's easy and light for their yoke of heaviness. And we exchanged numbers, and I, and I told her, please stay in touch. And she said, oh, baby, we're going to stay in touch. I'm going to tell him that I seen you. I said, well, can I have his number? And I got his number. I said, all right, Lord, here we go. But that, that's what, that's what we're going to, that's going to be our testimony. And she's like, she, she was like, is, is the church still there? And I said, oh, it's still there. And she said, well, we're looking for a church. I said, I said, God, you just, you just gave me a layup. Let's go, Jesus. I gave her the address, the time. And she said, oh, man. And she said, you know, we haven't been going anywhere. We've just been meeting on our front porch. Me and a few of our friends, as far as her, her husband, and a few of the friends, that we've just been talking, just opening up the Bible and talking. And trying to make sense of what's going on in the world. And look at the Bible. And I said, so you mean to tell me you're trying to judge the world by Jesus' standards? So you're saying, forget what the world's standard is. You're looking at saying, okay, Jesus, here's your standard. What, what matches up? I'm like, oh, baby. That sounds like the path that we're trying to do. That sounds like you're trying to make sure that Christ in you is being revealed. Listen, church, there are people not just in this county, but let's, let's walk down your street. There's your neighbors that are seeking Jesus and needing Jesus, whether they realize it or not. The people that live on the same street, the people that live on the same road, the people that live in the same apartment complex, whether they realize it or not, they need Jesus. And you are in their life to make it happen. You are in their life to make it happen. And this transition that we're going through, that's that we're building something that's different. And the reason it's different is because it's going to look like Jesus the way he intended for the church to look like. That's why we did the body series. Going back to the basics of saying, okay, Lord, how, how do you want the apostle to operate? How do you want the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist? How do you want it to operate? How do you want your sheep? to operate how do you want how, I mean we've we've broken down over the last year and a half we went back to the basics on so many different things why because it's been a setup all for this to get to that clear foundation okay Lord now that we have that clear foundation build us the way you want us to build build us the way you want us to look show us how we are to love let these things be your prayer starting today and tomorrow amen can I give you one more scripture Psalms chapter 32, verse 8 through 9 in the Passion Translation. Psalms chapter 32, verse 8 and 9. And next week we'll go over the mechanics of how it's going to look like as far as building it different. But I will say it's going to do a lot. It has a lot to do with making disciples. Oh, man, I can't wait to talk about making disciples. But Psalms chapter 32, verse 8 and 9, and, and, and that's, you know, that's Jesus' commission for us, to make disciples. Amen? Verse 8 and 9. 
I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you. I like that. I like that. I will stay. Somebody say, he'll stay close to me. Listen, if you don't get anything today, get, he, st- he will stay close to you. And what's he going to do when he stays close to you? He's going to instruct you and guide you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you ooh, mm, along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as you guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. When I take you where you've not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Now, if you research this out, that was God's word to David. It was God's word to the nation of Israel, and it's God's word to anybody and everybody that reads it in the future, which is us. But watch this. We've read it, but let me just break it down real quick, and I promise we're done. God is instructing us and guiding us along the pathway of our life. That sounds like True North, where we are going into the oceans of life and helping everybody navigate in a way that lands them back at God. And God will advise us along the way. So not only will he stick close to you, he's going to tell you how to do what you need to do. So therefore, the devil's going to make you feel like, no, nah, that, 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 that's too little to ask God about. There's nothing too little. I'll prove it to you. He gave the, he gave the specific centimeter details for the ark for the for Noah's ark for, for I mean down to the down to the centimeters you look it up down to the cubits this cubit upon this cubit upon so if he if he if that's if that's not too small enough for him then guess what no problem that you think is oh lord this you know I, I'll take care of this you take care of the bit stuff no he wants it all amen. he wants it all amen. amen if he knows how many hairs are on the top of your head that, I mean, that fine of a detail, then there's nothing too small for him. There's nothing too big for him as well. But he leads us, this is my favorite part, he leads us forth with his eyes. That's what the scripture said. He leads us forth with his eyes. In order to be led by somebody's eyes, you know what that means? It means you have to be gazing upon them. It means you got to press your face against them. We've said it before, but worship, worship isn't really singing. That's a form of worship, but worship is you pressing your face against God. You press, Lord, Lord, show me who I am. Show me who I am in you. Because I know what the world is telling me who I am. I know what my past is telling me who I am. I know what my mistakes is telling me who. I I have all these other people telling me of of who, who they think I am. But, Lord, you show me who I am. Remind me, Jesus. Make that part of your prayer. Lord, remind me of who you've made me to be. Lord, show me how you see me. And the last part of that scripture, God says to the nation of Israel, he says to David, and he says to us, watch this, don't make him leading this church difficult. He says, don't make me leading you difficult. That's wild. Because literally the verse said, don't make... Yeah, you already got out there. Thank you. When I take you where you've been, when I take you where you've not been before, don't make me tug you and pull you along. Watch this. Just come with me. So when he, so when he takes us into uncharted waters, don't be stubborn. See, that was years ago. We didn't realize, but God's been setting us up all since then. When he takes you into uncharted waters, don't be stubborn. Don't make me tug and pull. He says, just come with me. Church, just go with him. Just go with him. 
When he takes you into uncomfortable spaces, just go with him. When he brings you into conversations where you don't know what to say, just go with him. Just go with him. Somebody said, just go with him. The direction that he takes us as a body of Christ, just go with him. Because he's not going to leave us on our own. What do we have to lose by trusting him? What do you have to lose by trusting him? What do we have to lose by him leading us and guiding us? What do we have to lose by making disciples? By making that the priority before we try to, before we just try to do all these things to, to, to trip people into coming, and manipulate people. No. What do we have to lose by putting him first? What do we have to lose by, by praying to him and asking him to show us how to, how to work on our jobs or how to parent our children? Or what do we have to lose by asking him to send the right person in our life to, to join arms with us and, and become our better half? What do we have to lose? What do we have to lose, amen? amen. Just go with him. Somebody say, just go with him. Just go with him, amen. Thank you for listening to the True North Church podcast. If you're not already following us on social, check out our website at truenorth731.com to find direct links to our pages. Also, if you would like to contribute to the work we are trying to do, you can click the safe and secure giving link and follow the prompts. Thank you for helping us build and strengthen our community. Until next time, have a great day.